Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Beko and my partner, Hari. Hello. All right. Welcome, everybody. This is our this is our value investor podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, I was going to say the number there, but I forgot which episode, which number of episodes we were on. It's a lot. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, welcome, everybody. Uh, we are going to talk about the recent tech. How do you say this? Tech, tech bubble or tech boom? Yeah, surge, surge in price. Surge in price surge in price and also rapidly falling in price too so this like a quick spike up and down what is it you know what what was behind that i'm sure some of you have read about softbank involvement in this but in this episode we're going to just quickly run through exactly what happened and uh and sort of debunk some of this some of this stuff all right so hari you've done some reading into this uh, what what happened yeah so what we're seeing is um we have we have kind of changed um, the price to get into investing, right? So um, you look at com- companies like Robinhood; they are offering essentially no commission investment and trading. Um, and uh, Charles Schwab is, uh, or I guess they're called Schwab now, um, offering similar things. Um, so you can essentially buy stocks without having to pay equity contract. You know, for the equity uh, commission, um, but we've also seen this with the in the options market. So there's a lot of people who are in the retail space. So when I say retail space, these are non institutional investors. These are the 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 regular people like you and me um, who are able to now buy equity transactions. So Schwab used to charge five dollars per contract for a for an option, and uh, they they eliminated that fee and they just charge a you know, I think it's like 65 cents or something, something very small uh, per hundred shares. And so what that has done is essentially allowed people to invest. I I should not, I should not say invest, speculate on the movement of stocks and trade their way to making money. And especially with COVID, a lot of people have now, uh, you know, have become quote unquote amateur options traders. So what we're seeing is a lot of institutional sellers have, um, have positions in Apple or uh, Amazon. We'll use Apple for this example because it's it's a, it's a pretty well documented that it's occurring there. Um, and what is happening is people will say the institutional will sell a contract uh, for a call option, which allows the person who holds the contract, um, you know, the retail investor, the ob- uh, the uh, the right, but not the obligation to buy that stock when it hits a certain price. So let's say Apple is at $120 and they write a contract for $125. So what happens is the institutional investor gets cash from the retail investor, um, you know, as a result of this uh, uh, call contract, right? And so if the price uh, achieves the strike price, the $125, then the, the retail investor may buy the shares from the uh, institutional investor. Well, what is happening is the price has gone up because of these, you know, of the contracts and the volume and so forth, that if it hits that $125, the institutional investor 
doesn't have control over it. They have to give it over if the other party asks for this for the shares. So what ends up happening is the retail investor is driving the institutional investor to buy more shares because they have to maintain those shares in their portfolio because whatever gets called away, whatever they have to sell um, is, you know, is taken out of their portfolio. So essentially what they're doing is they're buying more shares that's driving up the price. And then they're repeating this process, which is creating a feedback loop. And essentially what it's done is, is allowed, you know, the options market is relatively stable in the institutional side, but on the retail side, you've seen a lot of people come in that didn't, you know, weren't there before. So this feedback loop is going on and on and on. And then a few weeks ago or two weeks ago at this point, um, it all reversed itself very rapidly. And what happened was the, you know, the retail investor was not, you know, interested anymore these company, you know, these funds were actually buying these shares, and then they had to dump them because they were, they were not getting called away as they as as expected, um, and so you saw a huge drop in the price all of a sudden. So, you know, we've all been trying to look at this and say, you know, scratching our head and saying, you know, Tesla is at a hundred and or thousand PE, and you know these crazy valuations that we're getting for these businesses. Why is that happening? Well. It's happening because of largely mechanical parts of the trading process, right? This is somebody's call, selling calls, and you know that that is allowing these things to occur. So, what does that all mean for us, right? As as investors, right? You know, I, I think it's a confirmation that options are a very dangerous kind of investment, right? That if you're using, I'm I'm sorry, not investment, but speculation. Um, that if you're using these as as a you know, there are options that are uh, things that you can do from an investment standpoint that are actually valuable. And I'll, I'll explain those here in a minute. But, you know, it, Warren Buffett called options the weapons of mass financial destruction for this reason, right? That this sudden change can occur at any time and you have no idea and you may not even be paying attention when it happens and you've lost, you know, a lot of money, right? And institutionals yeah. are doing this day in and day out, but the retail investor may not be paying attention from day to day. And that's where they get hurt, right? And that's why you want to buy undervalued businesses because that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Just one thing, just to, just to recap what you said there, which I think is pretty fascinating stuff. I mean, the options market is sort of, uh, you know, kind of the underbelly of, of, uh, you know, stock price sort of manipulation and I mean, you can make a lot of money there you can also lose a ton of money there it's it's a dangerous territory you yeah. got to know what you're doing but just to quickly summarize what you said there so what happens is the initial trigger of of all of this is the option that is the call option yep you and me we pull money together or you know me and myself to just we we buy option for that 125 contract you buy that, and then the institutionals on the other side of it actually has to have have that, um, because if the stock price actually hits that, I want to exercise that right to yep. purchase that op that option or exercise that option, right? Yep. And if and, and they must have it, therefore they need to buy that stock, buy that equity, right? Uh, for me to for me to get that from them, and so the the act their act of buying. It, stocks to service that contract increases the stock price 
and then more people will jump because the stock price is rising to to sign up for another call option at yep. a higher price that it's a it's a feeding it's a it's a positive loop uh, feedback cycle where uh, you buy more contract and then institutionals have to b- actually buy the, the equity itself to service that contract and then that the act itself raises the price and then it happens all over again and then same thing can happen on the on the other direction too like Harry was mentioning just wanted to recap there yeah and and so we've talked about options and we want to be fair to them that there is actually a legitimate uh, thing for value investors in order to you know purchase options why would you ever do it right so imagine that you had a holding of uh, some stock and you are you know it's trading at $50 a share you would be happy if you know you sold it at $80 a share right that that's the fair value if you sold it at $80 you'd be fine so you can sell an option to someone and make a small amount of money per hundred shares you sell sign some contract that says let's 10 cents per hundred shares right or 10 cents per share uh, up to a hundred shares so you know that that nets you ten dollars right so what you could theoretically do is sell your call options and if the shares get called away you still win and if you don't then you pocket the call uh, premium that they have to pay you right so this is something that um other value investors have done for many years and it allows you to kind of benefit from from this because you're just selling these you know these options i i know people who do that where they hold you know shares in a company and then they'll shell, sell these short-term options for like a week expiration so if the stock price doesn't rise above that uh that price then you know they just pocket the difference and then they just repeat uh you know every week and so this can be a fairly profitable way to, it's basically creating a dividend from the asset that you own, right? And and the limitation is that if, if, if your option is called away, you're only doing so at a price that you would be comfortable with the, this, you know, parting with. Um, yeah. So th- in this case, um, in the, as an ex- uh, just going back to that example, you would be that institutional, quote unquote, you would be the ones right. who are actually writing the contract. Um and, and selling the option and then the counterparty would buy the option contract and then when they exercise you have to actually sell your stock right and so from that standpoint it fits in nicely with value investing because your thesis is that the, the stuff that you're buying is going to go up at some point and it's going to be overvalued at some price threshold right you can sell your options at that price threshold at you know at some time equals you know, six months or seven months or whatever. Yep. Yeah. So makes sense. Makes sense. So moving on from that, in terms of the stock market bubble and where things are, you know, companies hitting thousand PE and, you know, for those people who think they, they missed out on this ride, what do you have to say about that? So I, I would say that, being patient is extremely important, right? You don't want to buy companies just because you have money, right? Uh, I would say if you have cash available and you can't find a business to invest in, then you sit on the cash until you can. And and I, I would say that the patience and the the waiting is very difficult. I It's human nature to want to invest, but you know, or to put your money to use and say, 
you know, if I'm not doing anything with it, then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm losing out. Um, but I, my argument to be, to be right now is we have not seen the full fallout of the COVID stuff. Um, there is definitely the possibility that the options, um, you know, that options open up again for you, not options for the stock, but options for, you know, as in stock prices come down. Yeah. Opportunities arise, I should say, um, that allow you to buy, buy into these. And, you know, the best way to be, you know, to buy into these is, is having, um, you know, keeping your mind open to that. And, you know, you may have missed out on March, but I think it should have been a lesson to everyone who watched it and said, there were companies that were cheap enough to purchase, but you failed to purchase because you were looking at, oh, it's going to go down further, right? And, you know, that that is a hard game to play because you think you're falling a catching, catching a falling knife. But really what you're doing is looking for an absolute threshold, you know, that margin of safety price and then buying under that. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point, good point. All right. So, you know, that sort of wraps up this episode. We looked at the kind of the mechanism of options and why it influences the stock price. Um, so I hope that was helpful to you guys. Um, and uh, if you guys have questions about you know things like this, we also cover, you know, just, you know, just any sort of questions that you guys have. Uh, we just don't, you know, uh, we, we, we do more than just analyzing companies. So, um, reach out to us with questions uh, at info at valueinvestor.org or leave us comments. We also look through there for any questions that you guys may have. Yeah. And, and as we've been talking about the, uh, you know, please visit our website, valueinvestor.org. And, um, you know, we have a stock database that we manage um, and um, we have screeners and we have other uh, tools on there to help you identify stocks, review them quickly. It has 30 years of financial data. Uh, we would love to hear from you about what features you would want us to add or change. Um, and, uh, you know, we hope that you can check it out and let us know what you think. Awesome. All right. Thanks everyone for listening and I hope you guys stay safe and uh, happy value investing. Thanks. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.